brought to you from Melbourne, Australia. This is the Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players, where we talk badminton, celebrate local heroes, interview players from all walks of life, and push you to grow as a player and a person. Introducing your hosts, Jeff and Henry. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to our 50th episode of the Badminton Podcast, proudly sponsored by Volant Wear. My name is Henry. And I'm Jeff. And we're the co-founders of Volant Wear, the brand that gives badminton players an alternative to unsightly conventional badminton wear so they can feel confident and stylish anywhere. In short, we make gear that makes you look great on and off the court. We're also here to bring the badminton community together so that we can show the world how incredible our sport is. So check us out and shop at www.volantware.com. There's also plenty of free resources on there that can help you become a better badminton player and a person hopefully as well. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us on our social media via a handle at volantware, V-O-L-A-N-T-W-E-A-R. Now, before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to Winnie Wong. We're giving her a shout out because she has become a VIP Patreon. Thanks, Winnie, for your support. And we hope to continue giving you valuable episodes going forward. So for those who also want to support us in what we're doing with the Badminton Podcast and get your own shout out as well, we'd love your help. So we love hosting this podcast for the community. It's completely self-funded and supported by our full-time jobs which is why we're asking for your support where you can pledge a small amount so that we can keep releasing regular high-quality episodes for you. So visit patreon.com slash thebadmintonpodcast to play a part. Uh, the link will be in the description below. So now I'll pass it on to my co-host Jeff to introduce our very special guest for our 50th episode. Thanks, Henry. I'm super pumped for today's episode. And today's guest was born in Indonesia and is currently living in the USA and is widely considered as one of the greatest men's doubles players in badminton history. He's the former Olympic gold medalist at the 2000 Sydney Olympics with Chandra Rijaya as his partner. He's the Asian Championships gold medalist in 2000 with Rexy Mainaki and two-time world champion, having won these events with four different men's doubles partners, Howard Bach, Halim Haryanto, Chandra Rijaya and Rexy Manaki. He also made history with Howard Bach when they won the first ever gold medal for the United States. Whatever you do, you need to gain something. There is a fight that you can win. There is a fight that you want to learn. If you cannot win, then you want to learn. So you still have to go all out and you try what you have all of them basically you never lose so what you need to be afraid of like either you win or you learn you know you lose you learn but if you lose by giving up and you're not going to learn anything then you lose come back to yourself like what can you do better you know next time that's how you improve be better every day be better even small step be better every day i mean that's the beautiful part right how good you are right now you always can be better and then my advice at the beginning, there's no lose if you learn. Either you win or you learn. So I think that's the best advice I can give. For badminton players and enthusiasts out there, we'd be very, very surprised if you haven't heard of him. His name is Tony Gunawan, and we're absolutely pumped and excited to have a chat with him today. So Tony, thanks so much for being on the 50th episode of the Badminton Podcast. 
No, it's a hi everyone, and it's a pleasure, Jeff, to be here. Fantastic. Yeah. So we've been lining up this podcast for a little while and we're so glad that we've basically been able to have you on. So let's just get right into it, Tony. What does it feel like when someone says all those things to you? Like when we say about Olympic champion, Asian champion, world champion, one of the best doubles players of all time in badminton history, what does that make you feel? Is it something you hear so commonly you're used to it or does it feel fantastic every single time? I used to it. Uh, I think it's not because of used to it or what, but again, I've become right now where I am. It's because of everyone helping me. You know, if you're saying like one of the greatest, because there's four partners that I have, that's all of them. It's one of the greatest also. You know, it's not because of only me. I think because of everyone's support, right? My teammates, my coach, my partner. So actually, if you say one of the greatest in badminton, no, actually, maybe one of the greatest finding great partner. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the key. You know, you find a good, strong partner, then you can be uh, one of them. Okay. So, so for badminton players out there, all you need to do is find great partners and you can also yes. be like Tony Grunewald. <laughs> you just need to find another Tony. <laughs> we can already tell how humble Tony is just by that brief introduction there from himself, the man himself. So thank you. Thank you. So thank you, Tony. As Jeff said earlier, we'd be surprised that badminton players wouldn't know who you are, badminton enthusiasts. But for those who may have stumbled upon this episode and aren't that familiar with badminton, can you give us a a bit of a background about your badminton story, how you got started um, and when you started to play? Yes, sure. I am born in badminton family. Both my parents are playing badminton. So my dad actually is a coach in a small club in my hometown is Rabaya, Indonesia. So I start practicing badminton when I was five, but not because I was five and then my dad forced me because um, my brother is eight and my dad just basically, okay, both of you just play. Yeah, so I start when I was five and then joined national team when I was 18, then all the way doubles player. And when I joined national team, actually uh, already playing doubles. But you know, as you know, at the beginning, everyone always starting with singles. So, mm. yeah. So, which club were you associated with in Indonesia initially? Surinaga? No, no, no. It's uh, Jayaraya. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Jayaraya, me and Chandra are the same. And then uh, you should heard uh, Alan Budikusuma and Susi Susanti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, those club and um, Marcus Kido, Hendra Setiawan. Yeah. It's all from Jayaraya. Yeah. From Jaira. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I spent a little bit of time in Tankas. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, when I was a bit younger, a bit of time in Tankas training. I actually, I, I trained in Tankas for 10 months when I was 12, if I'm not wrong. I think, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So when I was, yeah, 12 years old, yeah. <laughs> and then when you were playing and you, okay, so you won the gold medal in the 2000 Olympics. Was that one of the biggest things for you at that time? Was that one of your biggest goals or was it kind of just amongst all of the other things? Uh, of course, no. Of course, uh, Olympic is one of the biggest. The reason is because every four years, you never know another four years what happening. See, like in my case, in 2000, that's my first Olympic. Couldn't dream of I got the gold. But if I don't get it, I don't know if 2004 I play or not. And which is I don't because I moved to US. So I cannot play Olympic anymore. And then I start representing US. Then I come back again, play Olympic for US in 2012, which is already way past my uh, you know peak performance. So uh, yeah, so Olympics for sure one of the biggest. 
Yeah. Okay. So which year was it that you moved to the US? Uh, 2002. 2002. And yeah. Tony, what was the biggest reason for your move from Indonesia to the USA? It might be funny, but again, I just don't want to my career is finishing because I finished, you know, at well, the highest performance I got is always, I mean, for sure, winning gold medal in Olympic and world champion, which is 2000 in Olympic, 2001 world champion with Halim. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there's no other higher result than that. So I just don't want to be stopped there. Yeah. So, you know, I moved to US continuing, planning to continue my study. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I went to Fry University to taking computer engineering for two years. So when I moved to US 2002, then uh take a while to get my paperwork, immigration paperwork and stuff. So I start back to school 2003 and then two years back to school. And then 2005 world champion happening. <laughs> so I postponed for two months training again. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's, it's just never dream of being world champion in US. Yeah. And then after that, it's get invitation from tournaments and play tournament again. So, you know, when you back to school, you miss one week, two weeks of school. Then when you come back, is everything is gone. Yeah. Then every time after that, tournament, tournament, tournaments again, basically just back to uh, be a player again. So then I drop out. And then basically badminton just pulled me back. <laughs> uh, I cannot get out from, from a badminton. So. So, so you didn't manage to finish the schooling? No. No. Badminton just took over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I try. Uh, actually, uh, when I moved to US 2002, 2003, I almost completely stopped. Not really play, not really train. And then 2005, world champion is in US, in Anaheim, which is my, my where I live. And then so 2004, I make a commitment with Howard. Okay, then I train again. I still go to school, but I train again a little bit starting doing all exercise running those things again yeah and yeah but again never dream of i thought 2005 world champion will be my last you know because uh then never dream of uh winning the whole thing so yeah it's a it's a lucky week like the whole week has been it's been a blessing yeah, like, yeah. so yeah it's, it's never dream of never expecting anything of that <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken to a few people about that and a lot of people, because they know you, they knew you at the time and they didn't know Howard very well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were saying, well, Tony did this and Tony did that. But then I've heard from other people that know you more personally that you always say like Howard played amazing, like amazing badminton for the whole week. How was it for you in those the world championships because you definitely weren't the favorite, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you started beating the top pairs and you had to play like you played um Chandra in the final, right? Yes, yes, yes. How was it to play against like your old teammate and what's it like? <laughs> well, um, I, actually, that time I still remember uh, our target, me and Howard. My target, I don't know about Howard, but my target is only quarterfinals mm-hmm. because quarterfinals we gonna play against um Ian Erickson and Martin Lungard. I think they are number one in the world at that time. So just go quarter and see what happened. Then we did. We go to quarterfinals. So then mine is like, okay, we already get our target. Right. So okay, if I can go one more, why not? Right. And then we did. So which is surprising because we won against them in straight sets. Right. And then semifinal we play against Alvin and Luluk mm-hmm. Adianto from Indonesia which is my junior. So, okay, same thing again happened. Okay, you already said my, you already ahead of a target already. 
So nothing to lose. And then I think Lulu can often it's uh, take too much respect on me on as uh, their yeah. senior. So yeah. they're a little bit shaky of start. First game, I don't think they play their best. Yeah. And then second game, a little bit struggle, but I think pressure on them. So, and then when finals, there's different feelings already because, um, you know, when I moved to US, basically everyone thinks that my career in badminton is done. I believe all my teammates, all, um, basically all professional players thinking, okay, Tony is already, you know, in US, not really a badminton country. So be in same court again with Chandra, even though we're in opposite side, it's already amazing feeling. Yeah. You know, so honestly, it's already very, very, um, they are like high and, you know, winning against them, Sigit and Chandra is, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really think of it. It's just, it's just a dream, yeah. not even dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just really, really, it's really surprising. Yeah. It sounded like an absolute roller coaster for you there. Yeah. That particular week. Yeah. So I think uh, situation itself, right? Been a great week. Uh, Howard playing amazing. Basically, he played all his weapon, which is my strike, right? Uh, power, uh, explosive. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like easy for me to adjust because I know he's, what he's going to do, right? Because we've been playing for a year. And the whole atmosphere of the building itself when they you know, supporting us. So yeah. actually third game, we, especially me, I'm not really training like crazy like when I was in Indonesia. So third game, it's already so tired already. <laughs> like I already feel like almost give up. But and then I think the whole building just give us energy. Mm. So um, yeah, again, uh, without all of those, without Howard, without uh, our, you know, Tetan coach, uh, Rusli and Halim is there too as one of, in the back of us and then because all yeah without all of them there's no way yeah we are lucky (laughs) that would have been an amazing amazing feeling if you were to look back tony at how you felt in that finals uh the world championships versus the olympic gold medal final how how do they differ from each other like all the feelings that you're feeling between the two especially at the point of winning the finals if you can remember exactly how you felt it's different. Well, both of them is, it's, um, uh, how do we say, like, Olympic is every athlete dream of. Yeah. Again, it's every four years only. And then, you know, maybe you only get one chance, right? And then you represent the whole country. Uh, you get selected for a whole country. Uh, world champion is a little bit more individual. So world champion is really happy, like, still like crazy feeling, but it's more of individual. Mm. You know, I, I always love a team event like Thomas Huber Cup, Sudeman Cup does it um, because it bring the whole atmosphere, the whole team together. You know, you win, you lose, you you all together. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Olympics still still number one. Like uh, that world champion with Howard. I won world champion with Halim also. Mm-hmm. With Howard, it's just a personal good feeling, but for a personal one. So it's, 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 yeah. it's different, yeah. Mm. So for someone listening out there, they, because you're Tony, right? So they're like, oh, of course, Tony can do it. Tony is so good at this. Tony is so good at that. And he can play with so many different partners. And you said you already played with Howard for one year. So you know what he's going to do. But one year for me, if you said that to me, one year is not so long, even if you're playing with a partner to know exactly what they're doing. So if we kind of dig a little bit deeper into Tony and how Tony and how you are so good at what you do on the court, 
Is there anything in particular that you think that has allowed you to be this doubles player, this one of the best of all time? Like, can you pinpoint a certain thing? Like, was it a certain skills training that you developed when you were younger? Was it a certain work ethic? Was it everything? Was there something that was specific in why you feel that you were able to be as good as you were? Uh, Well, that's a hard question. Uh, But I think (laughs) this one, I think I'm going to give it to my... uh, Olympic partner, Chandra Vijaya. Uh, before with Chandra, well, uh, in Indonesia itself, when you train, you not really play with your partner every day. Mostly maybe a month or even two weeks before tournament, then you start training with your partner. Okay. So we always mix up the partnership with whoever it is. Right? Uh, yeah, that's why I can play with Rexy, play with most of my teammates, like Enghian, um, does Flandy, like I play with everyone. Right, so that helps to adjust with every style. And then before I, I partner with Chandra, I partner with Halim. And Chandra and Sigit is a world champion '97, I think. And then me and Halim actually is not nothing. So, well, we are like number two in the world, me and Halim. <laughs> and Chandra and Sigit number one. In the world. <laughs> not 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 nothing. Chandra, but Chandra and Sigit number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so but and then happening and then i partner with chandra the pressure is pretty high right mm. but you partnering a world champion and then he like basically he's number one in the world right so at the beginning our style it doesn't match you know because uh, with halim i'm like leading at the front like soft touch like with chandra like speed power and then basically speed is his speed and power is very strong but and then that time my thinking is like i need to follow Chandra, because he's the one at number one, I'm number two, you know? So, uh, okay, then I need to adjust. So then I try changing my training, follow how his style, um, those workout things, starting to do weight. I don't, I hate weight because I feel like my game is more touch. But then starting with Chandra play speed and power, I start doing weight, start basically different kind of training. That's why he's, he's the one that teach me mentally wise to be strong. Then in my understanding, okay, it's the same thing with everything else, like, you know, for your work, for company, in school, you need to adjust with your partner, like what they're good at and how you make it better, how you support them or how they support you and how you cover each other's weakness. I think that understanding helped me to keep adjusting with whoever partner I have. So try to understand, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you were able to become almost a different Tony every time you played with a different partner. It's yeah. like you had to change it, yeah, to become a different player. Yeah, so um, like again, as a partner, understanding to each other, that's I think the most uh, important key. I didn't know about that in terms of the doubles players playing with all these different partners and then you only play with someone maybe a month or so before the tournament. And I guess that is one of the big differences between Indonesia and the US in terms of badminton. And of course, the main differences of the number of people who play and the the club system and everything. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the main differences and similarities between Indonesia and the US and training, would you say that there's anything else that's really important as to what the main difference is between them that maybe makes Indonesia produce better badminton players than the US? Oh, yeah, of course, like um, Indonesia, well, not really, well, not only Indonesia, but most Asian country, they are badminton country. Uh, maybe different culture, different style, but they, it's a number game, right? In national team, in my time, we have 12 pairs, 12 pairs in national you know, team. 
in US top pair in one club, we are lucky already. So, <laughs> <laughs> like six pair in the club is already so lucky. Um, so yeah, uh, number of games, uh, and then they have support from government company, right, the system, which is I believe in China, Korea, Japan, Malaysia, or all of those country, India, right now, getting stronger. Which is in US, we only club. We don't get any support, right? Mm-hmm. So we do it our own. As I think, I believe, I'm not sure in Australia, but maybe a little bit similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah. All right. So then, you know, everything by your own, that's quite hard. And then when you are college, you have to pay your own training, traveling, and the stuff you have to take care of, everything your own. That's uh, really tough. Which is in Indonesia, my time, we only worry about training and mm-hmm. tournaments. Training and winning. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not even uh, worrying about applying visa. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, travel, not even worry about what you call it, like put the luggage or get out from immigration, everything taken care of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's way different. Yeah, it sounds like it's completely different lifestyle for the badminton player in the US and Indonesia. So I know you said that it's a numbers game, but what else is going to make the US as good as Indonesia or other countries like ours, Australia, as good as some of the Asian countries, you think? Is it possible? Yeah, yeah, it is is possible. Because, you know, I think right now in Indonesia, they um, really focus on sport is sport, right? We don't have school. You know, so every day just badminton like six to eight hours, sometimes like even 10 hours. But I believe, I believe, I think you don't need to. I think you still can go to school, you can do something else. Like which is some country, actually most of country in Europe is doing that. Mm. Like you have work, you have school, online school, uh, anything. I, I believe that that's one of my regrets in Indonesia. I wish I learned a little bit more. So yes, for sure. Uh, it just, which is not easy, which is very, very hard, but everyone have to work together that's about it like you know the whole australia badminton i don't know how it how it is but in because in us right now we are growing right but everyone is still individual you know club doing their own things okay yeah right yeah there's you know so but we are growing junior when i came 2002 junior national only like 60 to 80 kids and then club in north cal is only two clubs and then in my LA area, it's like three or four clubs, I think. Right now, LA is like seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then NorCal is 13, 13 clubs or 15 clubs. Okay. And Junior National, we have like close to 500 kids now compared to 60 to 80. Right Right now, the whole week. Before, it's only two days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now the whole week. So improving a lot. Okay. So hopefully, I think one way, either you produce strong players you can be, you know, with a growing badminton or then get a lot of knowledge from people, you know, like mm-hmm. opening clubs. So easy access for everyone to play, introduce the sport to people. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, of yeah. course, definitely. Tony, from what I'm hearing, what you said earlier in that piece about everyone working together. So the, at the moment, a lot of clubs say in Australia or the US, they do different things. Yeah. Do you feel that this is the, my feeling personally, I'm not sure whether you agree with it and I'm sure that you'll be able to give your opinion on it, but uh-huh. in say a country like Indonesia, where there are so many top level clubs, right? So you, you say you know, rise, there's Surinaga, there's Tankas, there's Jarum, all of them, right? Yes. yes. So when you have so many of them, is the interaction between the clubs friendly and is it a good interaction? Because what I see maybe from Australia's side and maybe other countries is that when you have different clubs, 
it's more about, hey, we are this club. We want to be better than the other club. But in yeah. Indonesia, it's more, hey, we are not the same club, but we want to be better as a whole country. So I feel like the there's a little more competition in that, hey, I want to be good. You can't be good. But in Indonesia, it's more everyone needs to be good so that everyone's better for the whole country, not just the club. Is that right? Is that my feeling correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Australia, do you have, you guys have national team? Yes, we've got a yes, national team. Do. Yeah. Okay. At least better than us. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's the thing. Like in Indonesia, in Japan, I also went to Japan until this year. This year is supposed to be my last, but I'm not sure how it's going to go. Everyone is coming from small club and then you're good and small club. Big, bigger club like Jarum, Tankas, they have their scout. Yep. So, you know, if you, you get selected, you get invited to join their club. And then they have national team. So national team is the top. You know, in national team, of course, everyone racing to go to national team. So that's a different. I think in national team, because there's so many uh, players coming from different clubs. So they don't really have, you know, we all friends. I represent Jairaya when I play against uh, someone from Tankas, like Ricky Rentraxi is from Tankas. Yeah, of course, yeah. I don't want to lose them. But for sure, we are really good friends. And, you know, I partner with Rexy. They are my senior, my gold medals before for me. So the rivals is there. I want to be as good as them. But we're not like individually, okay, I only me can be good. You know. Yeah. 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 Like I say, it's number game. I have to be everyone has support. From 10, you maybe get one, but you get one good one is because of the other nine supporting. Mm. You know, so that's, like, like I said, that's the hardest part. And I think in Indonesia, in the other country, Japan, Malaysia, those, the systems are there, right? Again, I'm not sure in Australia, but system is not in US yet. No. So we're working on it, but, <laughs> but I don't know when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's next for the system in US? How are you going to influence that as Tony Grunewan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer for that. We all try to figure out things. Well, I opened my own academy called Global Badminton Academy in 2011. Hmm. Right, right before 2012, I retired from as a player. So it's kind of still new. Well, not really new. It's already nine years. But, um, you know, we are academy, not even club. Yeah. So we're renting a court from a club. So slowly, slow, <laughs> very slow. And then hopefully later on can do something for badminton US. But yeah. 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 So Tony, other than those club environments and the numbers game, do you feel that there's anything else that the US or different countries can do to be as good as say, I know because we talk about Indonesia because you've got so much experience there. Is there anything else that we can do as developing badminton nations to produce another Tony Gunawan or someone as good as you? Um, or is it just purely just numbers, getting people in and then with more numbers comes more competition and hopefully with more competition is more players and more players means that there's more to choose from and then everything like that? Yeah, I mean, that also. And then again, if you don't have the resource, then you need to get it from others. But right now, I'm not sure what what you guys need, right? Like input, coaches, players, sparring. I don't know which one. But basically, if you don't have it, then of course you need to get from some other country or basically for me, if I don't have it, then I need to get it from someone until I have it and I don't need that anymore. I think that's my thinking. Again, my opinion, that's how I think. 
you know, if you don't need anyone, then of course you don't need anyone. But if you need help or you need other resources, then I think you need to be open for that. Yeah. It almost sounds like that there's a recipe required and, and different countries require different yeah. ingredients yes. for that recipe. And you know, countries like the US and Australia need a few more ingredients, whereas uh, Indonesia, other Asian badminton-dominant countries have the, have the right recipe there. Well, right now, like, like I said, like Indonesia, they have their great coach, right? My coach, Christian Harry, is until, until now being coaching, right? They have the right ingredient. They have the material. Yeah, if they don't need anyone, other country help, then yeah, I don't think they need. But if other country, like China right now using Korean, mm-hmm. which is the first time in history, like Japan, actually, they always have, but uh, right now, Park Yupong is the head coach and some Indonesian coach, Rioni, before. So now they're getting strong, right? So if they don't need anyone anymore, that's, that's okay. That's the right way. They're already strong. But again, when, when you are not there yet and you need other other help, then I think you need to be open for that. I mean, again, that's my, my opinion. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> but your opinion is really valuable because you've been in those environments where you've been a top player yourself and then you've seen other countries do those things. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about Japan, I'd want to just change to Japan a bit because I know that you've got some knowledge there. Yeah. They were always relatively strong, right? And then it's more yes. recently that they've really come up with the, the top players and not just in one event, in all events mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. How long do you think that process was? Because people will think, oh, well, Japan's so good now. But how long do you think that took? Do you think that took five years or 10 years? And what do you think they changed to get to where they are now? How long it takes, I don't know. Right, everyone, even as individual, to change to be how, however we want. We don't know how long it takes. Mm. Right, it, everyone is different ability. Every country different ability. But I think Japan is always famous with the fighting spirit. Right, the way they train is the work ethic is amazing. Yeah, basic training, how they do it, it's um, their form, their the way they do it is for us is oh, this is so boring and it's so long. But for them, they could, doing it is really good, right? So they have no problem with that. So the only thing is because they're doing it all the time, sometimes become too, it's not creative. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, Indonesia, like, like yes. most of the time, we just <laughs> do whatever we want. But yeah. we, do it, we do it seriously, but, yeah. you know, like too creative sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. sometimes it's not basic enough, but when make it, it's crazy. Like uh, sometimes, like again, like skill, like Kevin, even Fajar yeah. and Rian right now, some some of, Eng Yan Sigit before, um, yeah. like, uh, what is that? <laughs> but, so it's not yeah. really basic, basic, but it they bloom as their own individual. Yeah. If you see Japan, they they all the way they play, most likely the same. Like hard to kill. I mean, hard to kill them physically yeah. is very strong, right? Yeah. You know, very con- like consistent, right? So yeah, it's, I think that's the difference. If should combine Indonesia and Japan, the work ethic and the creativity <laughs> to combine. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, so I think Indonesian a little bit more brave to take the chances compared yeah. to players. But again, like the changes is amazing because I think Bakibong came and changed all these things and then some other country also coaching. But right now they have a Malaysian coach for doubles, Yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, those, I think the way, it's different thinking. Yeah, yeah. Different yeah. way of thinking, I am. Do you know what the thinking, because from my opinion, it was, it was basically when Park Jubong started there that st- things started to change. Do you know what changes he actually made at all? 
that got the system no, going. Unfortunately, not. Million dollar question, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I could because even though they are very strict, because even though I uh, go to Japan as a guest coach in Tonami, Tonami team, most of them is national team, but I'm not allowed to go in national team and watching their trains. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wish I could. I want to see what they're doing. Yeah, but Pachupong is one of my idols also when I was a player. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> so Tony, <laughs> shifting the focus back to the US, and when you did move to the US and was seeking a new challenge, and you went through computer science, it didn't quite finish, and was pulled back to badminton. And now that you've been pulled back into badminton and have been in it for quite a number of years again in the US, is there any particular goal or vision that you have as a coach for US badminton? Yes, like right now, my dream, of course, to be able to share my knowledge, my the way I train, the way I think. And then again, it, they don't need to be, um, I don't think they will be the way they seem thinking as me, but they have to do it their own, right? They, they have to convert it, become their own. So for me, like I said, it's hard to be a badminton player in the US, but it's possible if they want to. But the sacrifice, I think, is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Right. Same thing with your school, you, you're doing double major, then how hard you're going to work. Right. But I think with sport, so maybe not just double major, maybe become triple major because you need to drive different location than physically tired, mentally tired, and you still have to go to school. Yeah. But it is possible, I think. It is possible. Yeah. So in, in the possibility, when you look at, say, the juniors in the US compared to the juniors in Indonesia, if you were just purely basing it on if the US had all of the systems in place for it, do you think that the talents and the ability is in the US? It just needs to be nurtured and grown the right way? Yes, I believe so. I think skill-wise, a US player is not too far apart, but the yeah. confident, of course, and um, experience of always playing hard. Yeah. You know, you can find 10, like maybe a lot more than that, like 20 same-level players in Indonesia in one call. Yeah. But for us, maybe only two is same-level. You yeah. know, three is same level. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not much of sparring. And then, you know, if you have 20 of them, then every day is always uh, exciting different people to play. And stuff. But you only have three, then it's kind of boring. So that's why I come back to your own mental, right? So like I said, when I move here, I basically my training with Howard only and Raju, yeah. right? So, and so Bob. three or four of them only. Yeah, and Bob. And so it's just only uh, those four or five. And doubles, you need four, then that's it. So basically, <laughs> yeah. only two pairs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is boring, but it's all, how do I say? Like, it's more of when you come when you're already there, what do you want to be? You want just wasting time, or you want to make sure that you have a good form, good hitting, good feeling without, mm. you know, without wasting, wasting your own time. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. That's really invaluable. And when you talk about confidence at the start of that, mm-hmm. now you being, a coach now and you've been in the competition where confidence is such a big thing. So if there's a, someone listening right now who is from the U S or from Australia or from Canada or a country that is not very well known for badminton producing top badminton players. Right. And this is a question we've asked other guests as well, but when we step onto the court and we see in the jaw we're playing against China or playing against Indonesia or playing against Japan, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as we step mm-hmm. out, because we're from Australia or the US, we think, uh-oh, we're playing this person. Oh, yes. Can we even yes. win, right? That yeah. You just have this doubt straight away just because of the country that they come from. 
<laughs> for someone who's experiencing this, what would you say to them? Do you have some advice for them? Yeah, uh, which is I always advise my students, right? Whatever you do, you need to gain something, right? There is a fight that you can win. There is a fight that you want to learn, right? If you cannot win, then you want to learn. Yeah. So you still have to go all out. Then you try what you have, all of them, right? And then you try to find your opponent, what their weapon are, what, how their speed, you feel it. You learn about, okay, if I play against Lindan, we just no way. but I want to learn about his shot and speed. Can I handle it? If I cannot, then I come back. Then how do I train to be able to catching up the speed? Mm -hmm. Right. So I just tell my students, like uh, basically you never lose. So what you need to be afraid of, like either you win or you learn, Mm -hmm. you know, you lose, you learn. But if you lose by giving up, then you're not going to learn anything. Then you lose. Yeah. At least even one thing at a time, like you learn about, oh, their smash is so fast, so I need to learn about how to get it. Just one. Yeah. At least you learn something. Yeah. So that's how you improve. Basically, again, come back to yourself. Like, what can you do better, uh, you know, next time? Yeah. That's gold. For everyone listening, that's absolutely gold. It's it's win or learn. It's not win or lose. It's win or learn. Mm-hmm. W-E-L. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also learn when you win as well, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> you always learn. You always learn. So learn and learn. Learn yeah, and learn. Yeah. yeah. Believe me, I get this when, I, when I'm coaching because, you know, I believe in Australia it should be the same. But in Indonesia, we never, as a player, as a student, we never kind of like asking our coach, okay, what is training for or how you hit this and you have to figure out your own. Mm. right? But in US, you have to really explain, break it down as a, a pieces as simple as you can. So I do learn like every day with different students, uh, different players, it's different character. So always learn every day, always happening new things every day. So, so yeah. I'm being grateful. It's hard, but being grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as far as the uh, characters in the US that you've met, who, who are some of the up and comers in the US? So that I guess badminton players that might not necessarily have that much exposure to US badminton and that are listening. Are there, are there any particular players that they should be looking out for? Okay, that's hard again. <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> uh, again, because in, in US, badminton is a small sport, right? Really, really small. So mm. most of them, they worry about their schools, their schoolwork, their other things, other activities, you know, music, um, other things. So what I tell them again, uh, we don't know, are you going to be play badminton uh, for a long time or not, right? But basically right now you are, right? And you already come. Again, you just want to waste your time or... <laughs> or you want to get something out of it. You want to yeah. be as good. Yes, as good as you can. Even you only play two years, you're not even maybe top player, but you know, you need to improve in something, right? Mm-hmm. Your physical, so you can handle more work later on in the future, you never know. So, and then later on, if you be good at it, then you keep continue playing. You never know, right? So same thing, right? If you you have your job and you have your moonlighting job, if you you just whatever, of course, moonlighting job is not gonna be your main job right, uh, later on. But you do get better and better. You never know your extra moonlighting job become your main job and even better than your main job right now. You never know. Mm. But again, need to do one thing good first, then try to expand. Of course, if not, you try two things, three things at a time, but half-half, then I think that's going to be hard. Yeah. 
So would you say that that's something you've learned a lot more in the US? So do you, have you found that there are things in the US that you've learned that you maybe wouldn't have learned if you stayed in Indonesia from badminton as well? Yes. Uh, in Indonesia, as a player, we are pampered, everything taken care of. So mm-hmm. when I moved here, oh, it's, it's the first year, I think the first two years to learn the culture to adapt is, I can say it's pretty tough, but uh, it will it'll make me grow a lot. A lot of people asking, if you stay in Indonesia, you're going to maybe play again, another Olympic, you might win it again, those kind of things. But for me, you never know, right? If I stay in Indonesia, will I still play another Olympic? I don't know. Mm. Right. So I'm happy to be here. I don't regret my decision. Whatever situation right now, basically we just accept and fight for it every day. And whatever plan I have in future, we fight for it. <laughs> so like again, my dream is to create a player from US, hopefully can play high level in international. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. That's awesome. And the US is very, very lucky to have you, Tony. To basically have that vision with them. Uh, no, um, no. I'm seriously, I'm I'm lucky also be here. And look, Tony, when you talk about playing against the top players, just to break kind of the seriousness of this conversation, because we've got in quite deep to as to what the fundamentals are to create these players. Who are your favorite players at the moment? Would you say who do you love to watch at the moment? At the moment. I think Kevin, I can say Kevin and Kevin Marcus and Hendra and Asan. Yeah. I might be biased, but um, Hendra, actually Hendra, Hendra is my, when I out from national team, Hendra is just coming in. So Hendra is like my junior, junior, yeah. junior. And uh, so same, uh, and we are the same club also from Jayaraya. So, um, and he's really one of a kind, like great guy, really good mm. guy. Yeah. Yeah, and the way he play is is very efficient. Yeah, right. Doesn't look like you <laughs> play so hard. So yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so yeah, it's very enjoy enjoying enjoying to watch. And then so with the current men's doubles players, we know that yeah, Hendry is so efficient. He's been around for a long time now, and he's yeah. been around and been the best in the world for a very long time. Then we go to the kind of the younger pair, which is Marcus and Kevin. Mm-hmm. What's your take on how does Kevin create those, that technique and those, is it just something that's out of the ordinary that you can't train? Or do you think that there's something in the system that helps him to be more creative? Yeah, that's why, like I said, like in Indonesia, he's just too creative. Kevin cannot be, Kevin is like, no one gonna be same at him. Maybe people will try, but you know, it's just Kevin. <laughs> Hendra is Hendra also. Asan is Asan. So, like before in my time, we have Sigit, which is no way I'm going to try to copy Sigit. This is not in my lifetime. It's no <laughs> way. So, that's the character that Indonesian players have. Like, you know, be, be creative, be free. So, that's why if you are very good, they can bloom and become your different individual. It's, it's really like you said earlier, and just the system in Indonesia and the badminton dominant countries allow players to blossom or bloom as, as their own individual style. Mm-hmm. And that you can't really, you can't be Kevin, you can't be Setian when you have to be you. Yes. Um, you have to be Tony. Yeah. We're really grateful for that, for you coming on and, and sharing that with us. I think it's a very good insight for badminton players and aspiring badminton players out there that might be listening that. You know, they might aspire to be like Kevin or they might aspire to be like Setia One, but they need to be themselves and be the best player that they can be themselves, yeah. given the support around them. And I guess for you, Tony, what's next for Tony Gunawan? So right now, yes, like I full-time coaching 
hopefully we can have our own facilities in the future. Uh, right now, we, we just as a small academy in East Los Angeles. I mean, that's uh, the dream what I want. So I can basically share my knowledge to next, maybe next coach in US or next player in US. Hopefully that's become true sometimes. Awesome. Awesome. So Tony, we're just wrapping up this episode now. And for the listeners out there who have gotten so much information from you, are there any, as a coach and as a coach in the US who has had so much success in his career and understands badminton so well, if there were three pieces of advice that you wanted to give any badminton player out there trying to do the best that they can in badminton, it might not be national, international level, maybe in their club level or their state level, what would you think are the most three important things that you can tell them? Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, in anything, I think in anything you want to do in your work, in anything, like, uh, first of all, you have to enjoy, you have enjoyed that. You have to normally, if you're good at it, you will enjoy it. <laughs> so now kind of given already. And then, like I said, be better every day, be better, even small step, be better every day. I mean, that's the beautiful part, right? You always can be better. You, you, how good you are right now, you always can be better. Mm -hmm. So you learn. Like, and then my FS at the beginning, there's no lose if you learn. Like, either you win or you learn. Yep. So I think that's mm -hmm. the best advice I can give. Thank you, Tony. That's a really great advice for listeners and myself and Jeff as well. Yeah. And once again, we just want to thank you for coming on to the Badminton Podcast. Yes, yeah, pleasure, pleasure. Now, Tony, if anyone wants to get in contact with you or your academy because they, they're in their area, they want to learn from one of the best badminton players in the world, how would they find your academy or join? Oh, our academy called Global Badminton Academy. You can find in our website, globalbadmintonacademy.com. And then we located in Hopmona City in Los Angeles. And the club is called Arena Badminton Club. So you can contact the club find Global Badminton Academy and Google it or Google my name, I think, and then you can find it from me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of other things will come up when you Google Tony's name, all of his yeah. achievements as well. So you might have to find it on page 10 <laughs> because everything else is achievements. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so from Henry and myself and all of the listeners out there, we just want to say thanks again, Tony, for being on. I know that you're a busy man and you have badminton to change in the US. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. It'd be honored to be here and then, you know, be glad to share all these things. Fantastic. So for everyone listening out there, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Henry and I really enjoyed ourselves and we've been We've been talking about this episode for a long time, being number 50, and we're so excited that, Tony, you would be number 50, episode number 50 for the podcast. So for everyone listening, please do share this podcast because there's so much value here. It's not every day you get to dig into the thoughts of Tony Gunawan, one of the best players of all time. So make sure you do listen, make sure you do share, and make sure you do apply the things that Tony talked about because there's a reason why he's so good and he just was able to explain that to you. So don't take anything lightly. Just make sure you, you take it on board. Make sure you do what he says because if you want to be as good or close to as good as he was, then I'm sure that this plays in integral part of it so make sure you get that advice you use that advice you get out there you train hard you play hard and make sure you win or learn okay yeah because uh, that's really important uh, as tony says and if you want to get connect with us you can connect with us via instagram facebook youtube linkedin tiktok 
and on our website, www.volantware.com. The social media handle is at Volantware, V-O-L-A-N-T-W-E-A-R. Make sure to get in touch with us if you have any questions and if you have any requests on topics that you'd like for us to talk about or any potential guests that you'd like for us to bring onto our 51st episode because we're hoping to keep going um, and keep producing great episodes for everyone listening with special guests, very special guests like Tony. Thank you again, Tony, for coming on. No problem, no problem. And just one last note from me, make sure you do keep sharing your love of the sport of badminton with everyone you know because that's how we're going to grow the sport. That's how we're going to get that numbers game happening and that's the love that we have for the sport is one of Tony's takeaways. You have to love what you do. You have to enjoy what you do. And when you start doing that, then you'll be surprised at how good you can actually become at that. So tune in next time. Thanks again, Tony. And thanks everyone listening. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by Volantware, the most versatile badminton apparel you'll ever own.